Emily from New York. It's SS Engineer. Hi. <laughs> uh, which my back was turned. Uh, welcome to Ask Engineer. It's me, Lady Ada, the engineer with me, Mr. Lady Ada on camera control and slapstick humor. We got an exciting show for you tonight filled with beautiful displays, new products, updated products, open source hardware, and more. We're going to kick it right nice. off. Mr. Lady Ada, tell them what's on on tonight's show the code is qualia esp you can guess why we have an exciting new product you'll be able to purchase this code expires tonight 11 59 p.m eastern time use it or lose it you also get free stuff when you add it to your cart so we'll go over that in a little bit and more we just did some live shows all throughout the week including show and tell just a few moments ago on the weekends we do from the desk of lady ada which also has the great search JP's workshop and product pick is during the week. Do a little bit of time traveling here, some news and stuff around the web, around the makersphere. Have some advanced manufacturing and made in New York City factory footage, a little glimpse of what we make and how we do it here at Adafruit. Got some cool videos from Million Pedro, some 3D printing and a speed up. We got INMPI, brought to you by DigiKey. This week it's analog devices. Lady will show you what's new. In the world of electronics and more got some top secret hot off the press we just filmed some interesting things today we're going to show those to you we got some new products and answer your questions we do that on discord adafruit.it slash discord come over there you can ask your questions throughout the show and it shows when we get to most of them but you can of course hang out there 24 7 and of course don't forget we have free stuff we'll talk about in a second all that and more on you guessed it ask an engineer Woohoo! okay so uh codes uh call usp uh, free stuff. Add this. Uh, add add things to your cart, and it'll be like, hey, if you add a little bit more, you get a little bit more. Yeah. When you buy from Adafruit.com, we give you free stuff, ninety nine dollars or more. You get this beautiful thick PCB coaster with a gold Adafruit logo and some bumpers, uh, perfect for keeping your drink off of your desk. Uh, One forty nine or more, you get a black Adafruit uh, Goth KB twenty forty. It's a Pro Micro pinout compatible RP2040 board with USB C and STEMIQT and buttons and NeoPixels and eight megabytes of flash storage. So it's perfect for all sorts of microcontroller projects. It's like our favorite little board we use for all sorts of stuff around the house. $199 or more, you get free UPS ground shipping in the continental United States. And then we have the uh, uh, $249 or more, still doing the DigiKey NXP Adafruit. Uh, collaboration Metro M7 giveaway. Um, thanks to Jiki and NXP for sponsoring this giveaway. When you order that much, you'll get this board that's a 500 megahertz monster Cortex M7 with SD card, uh, lots of flash storage, SWT, SWD debug, uh, DC power, or USB power. Um, and you can even use it with uh, multiple Arduino shields. We'll talk about some of them today. Yeah. Uh, got great support for it in CircuitPython, so it's a very fast way to get started with, you know, a blazingly fast 500 megahertz Cortex M7 chip with tons of RAM and flash. It's got a super power machine. And, and uh, oh yeah. a reminder, um, we have better UPS rates, so we suggest using UPS Ground if you're in the U.S. Um, if you get the free tier, great, you get UPS Ground because it's trackable, it's reliable. Um, shipping costs something, um, and so we have a tier that makes sense for us for free but generally speaking please consider getting ups um we were using fedex we were able to negotiate to get good rates we don't add anything it's just straight up um a pass through um here's what we get charged here's what you get charged and these rates are pretty much as good as you're gonna get 
Um, you know, some entities offer free shipping at any level. It's coming from somewhere. Um, so this is how we're doing it. Thanks everyone for the support and helping us get the volume of uh, shipments we need to get good rates. We do live stuff. We just did live stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, show and tell just happened. Um, we had some of our team. We do a meeting right before show and tell. So the uh, team at Adafruit, we're not, we do open source. So we're like, hey, we may as well show what we're up to. So we also show some coming soon stuff. So Melissa came by with some cool display AO stuff. Scott showed the round display. Um, JP showed the color sensor. He'll be showing that on um, his shows during the week, JP's workshop. Um, we have a really cool demo. We'll, I, I'll show this photo again um, when we show off the display. But um, Jepler showed off Longcat long. for, for our long displays. This meme was made for this display, and this display was made for that meme. Um, so you can, uh, yeah, you can check that out uh, after this show. You can re you can watch uh, show and tell. And then uh, Noe had a really neat um, guitar that you can make yourself. And then Flying Things came by, really neat uh, Circuit Playground Express and uh, or Circuit Playground uh, Bluefruit, I think. Yeah. Um, wireless uh, controller for eyes with a, a cosplay costume, beautiful costume um, with like RGB LEDs and like you can do air guitar. Um, you have to see it to believe it. And then Gustav came by with this uh, timer that uses MQTT that was awesome. Yeah. It was a big show and tell. So a little, little glimpse of all the things that are going on in the world of electronics and more. So come by every Wednesday, 7.30 p.m. It's the longest running and only show and tell uh, that's out there. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's hard to to coordinate something like this. It's hard to plan, but we, we've been doing it for so long. People know like, oh, yeah, I'll just I'll stop by Wednesday nights and show my project. So if you have like retro hardware or if you have ongoing projects you've been working on, there's folks that um, they showed projects in high school and then show projects when they were in school and now they're uh, in industry and they're showing stuff. So we've been doing it this long that um, you could set your time traveler um, watch to like, what am I doing on Wednesday somewhere on planet Earth? If it's 7.30 p.m. Eastern time, come by and show and share your project. Um, Sundays we do Desk of Lady Ada. It's in two parts. What did you show on your desk this week? Okay. Um, so first part I sh uh, talked about um, Playground, Adafruit Playground, our new uh, Anyone Can Write Guides website. So check that out. Uh, all you need is an Adafruit.com account. You can go to Adafruit-Playground.com. It's a totally separate site, too. So it's like you have no cross-mixing. You don't have to worry about um, data leaking from one site to the other. And so I showed off uh, a project I posted. I also uh, showed off how we're, you know, finishing up the, you were finishing up the Qualia ESP32 S3. It's now in the shop. Um, and just showing the demos that I got for that. It's getting merged in. And then um, I showed how I test uh, new feather wings by plugging into every single feather that we make um, and verifying that it works. Yeah, and then we do the great search. That's where Lady is your powers of engineering to help you find things on digikey.com now that things are kind of back in stock yeah. and there's not a chip shortage in the same way. Um, what do you what do you look for this weekend? Um, well, I was, you know, revising uh, this Raspberry Pi hat. Uh, that's next on my list after the, the TFT board. Um, and one of the EEPROMs that I usually get is no longer available. And so I showed how to get generic I2C EEPROMs, the difference between I2C EEPROMs and FRAMs and SRAMs and NOR flashes. And they all look and have very similar pinouts, but they're very different. Um, and I think I talked about the hat standard as well. So, you know, a lot of people, they need I2C EEPROMs. Um, for their devices configuration or Macs or 
uh, to store code or you know FPGA, whatever. Um, and very common to need to um, place them on boards for small amounts, like under four kilobytes of permanent storage. Um, but DigiKey has bazillions of different ones in stock, so check them out. Okay, and then um, you can check out the latest videos wherever you watch our videos, whatever platform. It's everywhere. We put them everywhere. Um, JP's Product Pick of the Week. There's also JP's Workshop coming up. There is no Deep Dive this week. It'll be returning next week. So thank you, Tim and Scott. They've been doing amazing Deep Dives. I think both of them have other stuff going on. So have a good Friday off. Um, it's time for some Python on hardware. All right, this week, the newsletter, it's big, it's beefy, it has a ton of projects. Um, so it's kind of bad. People are getting back into doing electronics. Yeah. They can get boards. They're like, oh, I have this idea. Yeah. And so um, thanks everyone who sends in news every week. Uh, Anne is the editor of this. It's, I think, um, the biggest, best resource for Python on hardware, but we also cover a lot of stuff. So Hacktober Fest is going on. Um, we celebrate, this is the 10th anniversary of Hacktoberfest. So basically there's virtual and in-person events. You can learn new skills. You can, um, check out what's going on in other programming languages. We happen to, you know, like doing a lot of Python, um, CircuitPython is participating in Hacktoberfest. Making simple requests, um, is Hacktober eligible. So keep an eye on our blog for details and more. Um, and the reward system is shifting from t-shirts to virtual rewards. So you can check out their rewards and more. You also have the reward of feeling good about contributing to open source software. Yeah, you know, great way to get started. Yeah, I'll um I'll have a little bit of a a little bit of a rant soon, but you know, there are communities online that aren't dividing people, that aren't making you like I hate this, I hate them. There's ones that bring people together and Hacktoberfest is a really good one cuz it has a beginning, middle and end and you just you just get to choose, oh, here's stuff I want to do. You could pick an open source project and you can do something that's useful for it. This is like really wholesome and, and really good. This is, yeah, the, you know, part of our, part of our job, we have to like wade through a lot of stuff. Um, some of it's not great. And some of the things that are online isn't that fun to look at, but this is. So, you know, since um, 2014, they have 147,000 participants. If you want to feel good about technology, because sometimes it's not so fun, um, this is one to, to look And we have community members that will help you with your yeah. first PR. Um, there's a lot, there's something for everything. You know, if you're a beginner, uh, somebody who wants to help with documentation, somebody who wants to write examples, somebody who wants to do core development. Yeah. There's something for everybody. Good a lot of to get your feet wet. First, good first issues. Lots of them. Um, like I said, we cover lots of things. So here's an interview with uh, Evan, Raspberry Pi founder. Um, you know, lots of things you can imagine has been going on in the world of Raspberry Pi. Lots ahead too. But if you want to get caught up in like, do they have Raspberry Pis now? What's ahead? What's going on? What are they doing with Pico? Um, we're, uh, switch gears a little bit. We're getting all of our pieces ready for version nine. That just means a lot of merging with MicroPython and CircuitPython and kind of keep an eye on our progress and more. There's like expressive stuff we got to do. And then there's uh, MicroPython 1.20 things to do. So we want to get the latest. Yeah. Yeah. We want to get the latest stuff in there. Um, you can check out the EuroPython talks and videos and then, um, just tons and tons of projects. This one was just on Hackaday. That's cool. Um, you know, one button press keyboard, and you could check out just variety of projects. Um, seeing some clock projects, lots of clock I love projects. this clock, this is beautiful. It's like a good yeah. uh, inspired, yeah, a brawn. So, if you want to, like, oh, cool, like I have some hardware, I know I can run some stuff on it. If you want to get ideas for projects, um, we have a good smattering 
of this with uh, a lot of Python focus, if that's your jam. But we also cover a lot of other stuff too. Um, sometimes if we see like, oh, there's a scripting language for a microcontroller. We'll... Yeah, it's good. Like this is more than just yeah. We, big tent, you know. We we're kind of like, oh, like you know, scripting languages on microcontrollers would also be a fair description of what we think about our newsletter. So uh, that's our newsletter this week. You can get this delivered every single week. Go to adafruitdaily.com. It's a separate website. We do that so you don't ever think that your store experience, your adafruit.com customer account is in any way tied to emails or newsletters. We don't like spam even more than you. Open source hardware. It's open source hardware month in October. So, um, I will uh, go to the website is ohm.oshawa.org. Um, October is Open Hardware Month. Um, I, you know, I used to do like a post a day, but then I covered kind of everything. So if you want to see like Open Source Hardware Month pass, like I covered the history of the logos. Um, speaking of, Oshawa has a new logo. Um, I got an email um, that says, "Hey, we have a new logo." So I think I'll have to replace this graphic. Um, this is their new logo here. And I get it. it's like, oh, like things, you know, explode. Yeah. Like I, I may have messed up because I it was it was I had it was transparent, but I um I needed it to be the letters were black, so I made them white. So I, I'm wondering if this is the right way it's supposed to look on black, but I don't okay. know. I'll check. Maybe there's a brain guide. Yeah. Uh but anyways, for open hardware month, you can do things like hold an event, you can become a member, you can certify your hardware. Um we are up to 695 projects will be up to probably 700 during the month of october yeah, i think we will i think so, we, we just submitted they're gonna get yeah um so we'll be up to 700. um they're also doing uh ashra's also doing a, a board not board like hardware board <laughs> but a um if you want to be on the open source hardware uh board uh, I think the nominations are open. Board of directors, yeah. Yeah, so we'll never be on um, anything like this because I think that's a conflict of interest. And um, I'll speak for Lamar, so does Lamar. Um, because if we were on an open hardware nonprofit, uh, we work at a non we work at a a hardware company. So I think it's really hard to separate that. It'd be probably useful. We write about open source hardware and licensing. We talk about it, we do it. We're the number one certified uh, company at the moment. Um, but uh, as much as I think we could probably be useful and uh, you know, we're really good about documenting things and disclosures and crediting and all that, I personally think it's hard to um, separate yourself if, uh, if, you, if that's what you do. There's ways to do it, I guess, but we just decided to stay away from that. So if you aren't running an open source hardware company, but really like open source hardware, nominate yourself. Um, if you like the stuff that Adafruit does, but you're not making hardware and you like seeing companies like Adafruit thrive, join the board. Um, you can help steer that entity in a direction that's helpful for companies like us. Um, so that's the open source hardware news of the week. This week, we of also- I'd like to vote too, but yeah. If you remember, you vote. Yeah, um, but I think on the board, you you know, you're the one. You're the no, one. No, no, I mean, like you, you can nominate, and then I think they vote. Um, I haven't. I'm a member. I haven't. Yeah, yeah I haven't been asked to vote about anything. Okay. Um, we do uh, source hardware. 
and we have a bunch of guides. What are the guides on the big board this week, Lydia? Okay, this week we've got a couple updates. We have a new guide for the HUSB USB power delivery breakout. Uh, thanks to Liz for writing that up. We also have an update for the Teddy Ruxpin rebuild. Um, we forgot to add a page for where to get the software. The software was public, but we forgot to link to it. So we had a page adding that. A uh, couple of, I think these, the INA219, SGP40, and the ENS160 were all added to Whippersnapper. And that's why um, those are updated. And then we've got that MX guitar, uh, which maybe you can scroll because I'm covering it. The MX guitar. And we've got a new guide for the Metro M7 with microSD. That's a collaboration giveaway we're doing. And Aaron did a little uh, project for just making uh, scannable NFC tags. Okay. Hardware news of the week. Let's look at the factory footage, which is all about making open source hardware. That's made in New York City factory footage. Um, one note, because it's in the chat. So there's actually like, now there's three different logos, by the way. So if you Google for um, open source hardware logo history, let me um, let me see if I can just pull this up real fast. Uh, what, your here. article that you wrote? Yeah, I wrote this a lot. So open source hardware logo. Let's see if I can. Yeah, so um, I'll go to this real quick. So if you're I, here, here's the open source hardware logo history. Um, it's kind of my fault. <laughs> so that the the ring logo was a a logo for that I made, and then without the gears, and then later on OSI used it. Um, I know where <laughs> I know when where and when they saw it and they used it, and I didn't care. Um, and then when they did the when the open source hardware entities started they had a contest and someone took the ring logo from osi and made a gear and that caused some problems but then it got resolved um and so you can go through if you're really interested in seeing like the history it's cool because um there's a lot of variations now there's even more i used to keep track of them in my like little my like here's every little permutation of a logo i you know here's a little Oh, see, here's a mic. Maybe you keep adding. Yeah. And so it's it's an interesting history. And then, like, open source hardware, like, got, there was a weird thing where someone owned a um, jewelry company for a while. And then eventually, weird things happened. Like, people were trying to register the name open source. And then there was an open source wine. Um, and this is a. It wasn't actually open source. It's a New Jersey Chardonnay. It's not actually, the wine itself is an open source. So, anyways, um, you can see a previous article. It was like a map too. Um, yeah, it was super cool. It's a thing. Yeah. So there's there's a long history of logos. This is kind of like archaeology for, for uh, I don't know, people that are into this stuff. Um, let's do some three D printing. All right, we're gonna play two videos back to back. Take it away, you know, Pedro, and then we'll do speed up.
You can build a musical instrument with Adafruit's RP2040 PropMaker Feather and CircuitPython. The synth guitar is a 3D printed polyphonic synthesizer featuring Neoki switches and Stemma QT rotary encoders. We think it's a fun and interesting toy instrument that showcases CircuitPython's Synth.io. Powered by the RP2040 PropMaker Feather, this dev board has everything you need for building a synthesizer with high-quality digital audio. The design is inspired by the iconic SG guitar in a smaller body that's about 20 inches long. Toggle switches let you play different modes, and the rotary encoders adjust modulation, note octaves, and volume. Inside the headstock is a 3-watt speaker, and the neck features eight backlit NeoPixel key switches. There's also NeoPixels that change colors depending on the note being played. CircuitPython's Synth.io module lets you create small yet powerful polyphonic synthesizers with minimal hardware. In the code, you can change the parameters of the envelope or the notes that you want to play. You can also tweak the frequency of the filter and the waveform to sculpt your own sound. There's a whole breakdown of how the code works in the project learn guide along with step-by-step -step assembly and the source files. We think this project is a good starting point for folks who want to build their own synthesizers. Inspired by Guitar Hero's game controller, you can strum like a guitar player and play notes and chords. You can turn off strum mode and play notes using just the neo keys. This becomes handy when playing solos. The accelerometer controls high and low pass filters. Tilt the guitar up for a high pass and down for a low pass. The middle encoder lets you adjust the LFO rate of the tremolo effect. You can press the encoder to turn it on and off. Turn the next rotary encoder to adjust the octave range or the pitch of the notes. Pressing this encoder switches between triad and diatonic notes. If you mix all of these together, we think you can get really creative with your playing styles. We designed the synth guitar to be 3D printed, but you could modify the parts for other forms of manufacturing and in different materials. You can download our design source file to change the overall design or use our 3D models of the electronics to create your own custom instrument. We had a lot of fun working on this project and I hope it inspires you to check out the RP2040 Prop Maker and the Synth.io module in CircuitPython.
okay, good quality ESP and uh, you know, get free stuff. Let's uh, jump right over to INMPI. Hi, INMPI. Uh, and I brought you by DigiKey. Thank you, DigiKey, for making this segment possible. It's from Analog Devices. Yes. And- return INMPI Spotlight. We've done Analog Devices. And well, now, yeah, this is actually a Maxim part, but Analog Devices and Maxim merge. So it's Analog Devices slash Maxim, but picked one logo. Um, so this week, we're going to be talking about the Max 777. 8, 9, and 8, 7 chips. Um, this is so hot off the press, there aren't even photos of the chip. It's in the middle of this eval board uh, there. And this is an all-in-one power management chip that can do um, USB Type-C power delivery syncing, um, buck charging of a large battery pack, and then boosting back up to 5.1-ish volts. Uh, so let's talk about what this is. So. Uh, in the days before, in the dark ages, we had um, power packs that plug into your wall, wall warts, and you'd have to pick different DC jacks. You see, like, you know, there's like six different jack types, 2.1, 1.3, 0.9, and um, you'd have to get the polarity right, and then you could select the voltages. Like, this is a selectable one, but usually you don't get to select the voltages. Um, and this caused a lot of problems because people uh, would plug in the wrong voltage, so you had to protect against that, and then also you wouldn't have the right amount of current available. Um, and basically, you ended up uh, lugging around from apartment to apartment gigantic boxes of power bricks because you can never remember which one went to which. And if you threw it out, you're like, I'm never going to get it again. Um, last few years, we have been working as engineers to try to replace those power bricks with USB Type-C. So uh, here's a USB Type-C laptops slash uh, tablet slash phone charger that can you know, charge almost every device. Uh, and you see on the output, it can do 5, 9, 12, 15, or 20 volts. This is a nice, chunky power supply. It can do up to 60, uh, like 65 watts, 20 volts at 3.25 uh, amps. So you can, can power a small laptop, a big tablet, um, any kind of phone, any kind of watch, any device around the house. So ideally, people would use this and the USB-C cable um, to charge their devices. And, you know, we're, we're starting to see that. I'm starting to see more devices. Uh, here's like a power delivery sync chip that can talk to um, your power delivery uh, source, the Walwart, and say, hey, I want 12 volts at 2 amps, and it will get that voltage. Um, so whether you need a low voltage or high voltage or something in between, up to 20 volts, you can get it. And this has been great for... Um, you know, your devices that you're buying from your laptops to GPSs to mobile phones, etc. But um, there's other devices that could benefit from this. Here's, say, a USB power pack. Uh, probably everyone has one of these. This is a pretty chunky one. Um, there's uh, three ports, two USB-A outputs, and one micro USB input. Um, in this case, you know, you can charge this pack. It takes a couple hours because you can only draw maybe an amp from the 5-volt power supply to charge the, I think, 6,000 or 8,000 milliamp hour battery inside. Um, and then you can supply two 5-volt, one or two amp outputs. But, you know, a lot of stuff uh, these days, even like this overhead that we're, you know, we use has a built-in battery. A lot of devices have very large built-in lithium-ion, lithium polymer, you know, lithium uh, cobalt batteries. You need to charge them. And once you get to like 2,000 milliamp hours or larger, 
um, it's very hard to charge them over a five volt power supply because, you know, let's say you first off, most five volt power supplies are going to give you two plus amps. USB is only going to max out at one amp. Um, but even if you did want to draw that much current, let's say you had a power supply that did five volt, two and a half amps. Um, the two and a half amps across the cable is going to give you a drop that might make your charger not be able to sync the full amount of current because you sync 2.5 uh, amps. You know, you have a 0.1 ohm um, resistance to your cable both directions. Now you've dropped about 0.2 volts. You know, maybe the power supply droops also. So now you're getting close to 4.5 volts. Uh, not enough headroom to charge your uh, light poly battery, um, considering all the other dropouts you might have with, uh, you know, your transistors and your chips and, you know, sensor resistors, etc. And so uh, if you want to charge really big battery packs, ones in tablets, ones in phones, um, uh, large phones, laptops, and other big devices, you're going to want something that can um, charge at three amps and get you higher voltages. But again, you don't want to have that special power pack uh, with a special DC plug that gets lost. Thus, the analog devices slash Maxim, Max 77789, and its friend, the 7787. They're like sisters. They're fraternal twins. Um, this one is the standalone version, can do three amp charging over USB Type-C. So it will request from the USB Type-C power delivery source up to 12 volts, which is nice because then again, if you're drawing three amps, if you droop from 15, you know, 12 volts, um, okay, now it droops one amp or whatever, you still have 12 volts uh, to buck down to uh, charge your battery. Three amps, you can easily quick charge in an hour or two a very, very chunky uh, battery. And then it also has a boost converter so it can generate uh, reverse boost from that battery. It can generate 5.1 volts up to 1.5 amps. So handy if you're making those battery packs or if you're just doing a using a device and it needs um, a boost converter as well. So this is the standalone version, the 89. There's also the 87. Looks very similar, but this one has I squared C control. Um, so um, use whichever one makes more sense for your you know setup. They're both pretty autonomous, but then you can you know, configure them uh, for how much current, the floating voltage, uh, whether you want the boost converter on, etc. So this is the block diagram. Um, this is the standalone version. So the standalone version, um, you see it connects over USB-C. It uses the CC pins, and those are used for power delivery. It also connects to DP and D and the differential data pins. And the reason it does that is there's pre-USB-C, there are some power supplies that use the data pins to communicate um, uh, how to configure and get the higher voltages. I think it's called BC 1.2, so it's pre-USB-C. Um, you have the uh, one inductor that's used for both buck from the USB-C down to charging the battery up to three amps, and that inductor is also used to boost up to V-System, which uh, can be up to 5.1 volts, 1.5 amps out. There's also, uh, yeah, so the, for the configuration, you know, there's a bunch of pins and resistors. You can set uh, the different voltages and different currents. And then, um, you know, whether you want to do buck, boost, buck, boost, both, you know, on the go, um, detection mode, all that good stuff. Um, this is the I2C version, the 89. Very, very similar. 
um, same overall functionality, except instead of setting the state and uh, floating voltages and currents with resistors, you have um, I squared C connectivity. Um, both still have uh, LEDs that indicate status, so it's kind of handy. With the I squared C version, you have a register map, all the same functionality, but of course, it's you know you're not using resistors, so you can customize it on the fly as needed, but you have to have a microcontroller. So if you're making a basic battery pack um, or something that's standalone, you know, your uh, let's say you are making an electric drill, you want to have charging, USB-C charging of the drill power pack, uh, you'd use a standalone because maybe you don't have a microcontroller in there, um, but you have something like a tablet or a phone or another smart device, if you have a microcontroller anyways, or a microcomputer, you might as well do the configuration over I squared C. Um, usage is pretty simple. Um, you know, it's got uh, current limiting um, and overcurrent protection. It's meant for big batteries, but you know, you could use it for smaller ones. Just set the the current limiting to a lot lower. Uh, I think it also has multiple different float uh, voltages available from one point four point one up to like four point four. I know that depending on your cathodes, um, I, I tend to only use lithium polymers, but I know that other batteries have up to four point four volt floating so it will support those you know whatever uh battery type you use uh, but only single cell by the way it will not do 7.2 volt it'll only do 3.7 you know 4.2 approximate uh single cell lithium rechargeable batteries um yes yeah, so it does uh usb c detection with the cc pin it will you know automatically configure to get um the most power available um, to charge, I think it'll probably try to get higher voltages because again, uh, less droop over the power supply. It also does this BC 1.2 detection. I mean, I, I've personally never really used this, but I think this has to do with the resistors that Apple used to use for their um, pre-USB-C, pre-lightning um, power uh, charging cables where they use resistor dividers to indicate um, like light resistors to indicate to the device how much current is available. Um, I know that this also, the chip also has the ability to detect when the voltage is starting to droop a little bit too much. It will um, uh, lean off how much current it's trying to uh, source from the power supply so it doesn't get into like, you know, a uh, voltage current collapsing cycle. If you do use the data pins for uh, detection of that BC 1.2. Uh, they do recommend, I think it was the Max 4809, uh, is a switch you can use to uh, select who gets access to the uh, data pins, whether it's your microcontroller for native USB support or this charger chip. Eh, honestly, I think probably best to leave them disconnected and just use, use USB Type-C, but um, looks like they have the capability available to add both, so uh, you choose which one you want. Um, only downside for me at least is that it's a bga 0.4 millimeter pitch so you will need to um i'll show you the layout you'll need to have uh pad uh via in pad so you're gonna have to use you know a, a fairly not advanced but uh not the cheapest pcb you could get on the market um, in order to handle it i think four layer boards as well are going to be um needed this is the recommended layout so you'll see some of those pins on the inside, the um, the setting pins, not the power pins. You do have to go through the pad and down um, to another layer to get them out. So there are other chips in this generic family, not like this particular 87 or 89, that come in like a QFN style package, not quite QFN, but QFN-like. 
Uh, so if you don't deal with BGA, there are other Max, you know, look for DigiKey Max 777. You can see the rest of the family. Uh, maybe doesn't have quite the current capability or like all the configurability, um, but it's available in non-BGA. Meltdown DigiKey. It's in stock. 16,000 of them. You can absolutely get these. So check this out. This is the 89, but again, there's also the 87, depending on whether you want I2C configuration or standalone. And that's our MPI this week. Hi, on MPI. Okay, cool. Um, don't forget, Coach Quality SP, let's jump right into new products. New, 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 constantly so, <laughs> um first up revision okay uh we're uh, crawling along on these revisions 450 revisions in uh this week it's a, a big enough revision i want to highlight it this is the ultimate gps logging shield people love it because it's usb uh, sorry it has sd card um uh, one of our ultimate gps's it has internal or external antennas you can uh, attach a uh, active antenna um to it as well and then um, coin cell battery for RTC, and you can select what you want, software serial or hardware serial. But uh, the previous version did not use the ICSP pins. It was pre-UNO R3. Yeah, it's been a while, but we were like, hey, we should revise this. Now you can use the 2.3 pin header uh, to select um, the SPI port, or on the bottom there, there's three jumpers if you have a really old style Arduino or an Arduino compatible that doesn't have a two by three header. Otherwise, it's pretty much identical. Added a bit of, little bit of a better ground plane as well. Um, it's otherwise functionally compatible, but now should work with more boards. Next up. Uh, next up, we've also updated the uh, motor hat for Raspberry Pi. It used to be you had to solder in uh, the terminal blocks and the 2x20 header. Now you don't have to. Now it comes fully assembled. Uh, so it should make it even easier for people who want to add motor control to their uh raspberry pi projects uh yeah. here shown with a uh, dc motor and a stepper or you can drive two stepper motors this is what it looks like now so it comes with terminal blocks pre-attached uh pretty silk screen and on the bottom is the um slim style two by 20 header i don't know why the thrill pads got filled with solder i'm gonna try to revise it for the next version um to use this with uh taller you know the not pi zero which you can use it with if you want to use it with like a classic raspberry pi we give you a lifter header as well uh so it lifts it above all the components okay and next up these are coming soon because we have them almost ready long to be in the store long displays uh this is a 4.6 inch long display uh showing the long cat it's 960 by 360 pixels color and it's an rgb 666 type display so you can use it with our qualia s3 board you can't use it with a basic microcontroller um you can use it with a board that has rgb ttl display support okay um and then we have a square one we also have a square 3.4 480 by 480 display also coming soon uh so we're gonna get all these displays in i think we only have the round ones in stock for now but wetting everybody's appetite with some cool yeah. Uh, funky displays that will be available uh, very soon. Next couple of weeks, we're going to get all of them in stock. 
to match up with our quality board. Yeah, so expect these to be in stock soon. The star show tonight, besides you, Lady Ada, our team, our customers, our community, everybody makes a thing go is ba -ba 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 -ba, the Qualia. Yay, the Qualia S3. People have been seeing me work on this for a bit, a couple revisions through. Uh, so this is a board that I kind of designed for my own use because I want to test out all these cool weird displays like uh you know this long rectangular display or this round display or the square one um you know basically once you get past 320 by 240 pixels you need to use uh parallel rgb ttl display support and not a lot of microcontrollers have that support usually you have to go to the imx rt series but turns out the ESP32-S3, one of the cool things that they added is they have support for these displays. Um, you only get 16-bit color and it uses almost all the pins, but it does work. And uh, so you had a connector on here to let you use these cool displays. We'll later on make versions that are like round and rectangular and square and, yeah. you know, all in one. But this is a great uh, kind of starter dev board that will let you explore and experiment with these boards. And there's Arduino support and CircuitPython. Um, a lot of pins, you know, 16 RGB TTL displays, H-Sync, V-Sync, DE, and pin clock. We do have some pins left over on the bottom. We have four pins for uh, SPI and then um, two analog pins as well. So, you know, in Arduino, at least we have a one-bit MMC um, connection plus I2S. So you can do video playback with audio based on um cinepack so we did a little you know example demo of that and i think in the product description we linked to the, the cinepack demo um but basically it's like you want displays up to 720 by 720 or 800 by 480 um these displays will be able to uh, be run with um, this device they just snap onto the end uh and then you also have stem iqt um connector so adding i squared c to i squared c pins are available two buttons that go through expander one thing to watch out for is these displays are a little bit more complicated than most. You need to SPI initialize them. And so we have initialization code. And then after you've done SPI initializing them, then you can blast out pixels and you have to blast the pixels out repeatedly. So they use a lot of PS RAM. They use a lot of the CPU capabilities um, because you know if, you're, if you, you can't get to the PS RAM while it's uh, trying to display it uh, through the cache to the display. So it's like, you're not gonna get like it's using a lot of the capabilities of the S3 um, and you can do like basic animations, basic videos, uh, graphics, of course, in Arduino and then in CircuitPython, you know, graphics, REPL and more. So I thought um, I'm just go to the overhead and I could show just quick. Yeah. And uh, yeah, one one note too. So Qualia is the, the name of all the types of displays we're doing. We're finally able to do all the types of displays we want. So we'll call things like this board, the Qualia S3 or the Qualia, you know, ESP32 yes. S3. So you'll be able to know like, oh, Qualia, that's a type of display technology that Adafruit has. You get all this stuff with it. And then also it works with all these different types of screens. So yeah, square screens. So the thing is that the pinout it works with doesn't work with every screen with a 40 pin display, but usually these, I call them RGB 666. They have six uh, bits red, six bits green, six bits blue. And then they often have capacitive touch here on the side. So like, you know, this 3.4 inch square, this round display, this like huge round display, um, this bar display, these uh, non-rectangular ones tend to uh, work the best. What 
you know, if you see something that's a 480 by 272 or 800 by 480, that may not match. You'll have to make sure that you have the right pinout um, on here for it to work. Um, there's a backlight driver, so a little booster to drive the backlight. Um, this is just running an Arduino demo that shows, uh, you know, it's it's tough to see, but it's a, a color swirl on the display. And then this is, hopefully this live demo will work. This is running uh, CircuitPython. Um, so it goes to the internet, and uh, this is like my moon clock demo. Um, it gets the IP address. Oh, wait, I think I reset it right before it. It's a little slower. Um, it gets the IP address, and then it tries to um, find the moon phase and displays the moon, except it's it's not working, so that's my live demo. Um, sorry. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah, I know. I was messing with it. Don't worry. We have a video that we recorded. We have a demo. Yeah, oh, we have a video sure. that I'll show. Well, it just got merged into mainline like literally an hour ago. Uh, but the Arduino demo works great. So, um, you know, as we get each display working with this board, um, we'll document it so people can get up and running really quickly. Um, you know, these displays get you know, they get fairly big. Like this, yeah. this four inch diagonal seven twenty by seven twenty round is like could make for a beautiful clock display. Um, you know, we could do some Halloween projects with gigantic eyeballs. Um, you know, all this stuff normally would be very hard to use. You'd have to have like an embedded Linux board, but you can have the simplicity of a microcontroller. So yeah. uh, we have some in stock uh, to play around with. Um, I think it'll really unlock the ability of people to use these displays because it's going to be very well documented um, with lots of example code. Yeah, we um, we saw what was going on in the world of electronics, which is these displays are interesting. They're out there, but there was nothing besides maybe a demo for some of them. And then folks are like, well, I got one and it just doesn't work. So we wanted to make sure when we do it, um, you can do anything you want with it. And it's fully documented. It's open source and you can build cool things. That is new products. New, 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 Yeah. Um, so we're going to do top secret. Load up your questions. We have a couple more. We have videos with these displays too. Well, you know, your, your demo worked earlier. I know. So. Well, it's like it really did just get merged. I think it's, um, I think maybe I, I kind of put it together really fast, but yeah. Yeah, it's not displaying. I think it's not initializing properly. Okay. Well, let's do top secret. You can put your questions up over on Discord if you want. Um, but we're going to do some top secret right now. Early data, what is this? This is a beautiful round 480 by 480 display connected to a Qualia ESP32-S3. And this is our tester bed. So using uh, the RP2040 Pico, I can run a test to program the ESP32, check all the pins, um, load in the code to draw a graphic. And then when it's done, it's like, yay, rainbows. Um, so I just got these coming off the panel. And what's neat is that rainbow design, I actually had ChatGPT write for me. Um, so I was like, oh, I wanted to show like every hue and like I could have done the math to figure out how to make this uh, pop out, but it did a great job. So um, always using friendly robots to help with coding. Coming into the shop soon. All right, lady, what's this? Hello, this is me testing out a uh, 2.4 inch TFT Featherwing. This is the original version, which I had to like basically completely redesign because of chip shortages. 
here's the new version, prototype green. And when I have a board that has um, feather connectors, what I do is I grab all of these feathers here. So you've got uh, 32U4s and Teensy and ESP and SAMD21 and AVR and ADG, whatever, RB2040. And I plug them in the back and I have one example code that I run on all of them um, that verifies the touch screen. So that's working, yay. Uh, verifies that it can read an image off the SD card. That's these beautiful flowers. And um, uh, also, let me see what else. It does the SD card for reading the image. It does the touch screen, and of course it does the TFT. Uh, oh, and the IRQ for the um, touch screen as well. So all things are tested with all these boards. Uh, so this is ready to go to the Adafruit shop. All right, Lady, what is this? This is a round 480 by 40 display running on the new Qualia ESP32 S3 boards, the final versions. Um, and this is the CircuitPython code that's running on it. And you're like, whoa, I didn't know CircuitPython had support. Well, we do now, thanks to Jepler's intrepid PR that's about to get merged for adding dot clock support. This also comes uh, on the heels of adding. IDF 5.1, the ESP IDF upgrade, which actually really improves the quality of the displays as well. Uh, so the example I've got running here connects to the internet and finds our latitude and longitude by using GeoIP and then displays an image of the moon. Now, the image of the moon will eventually be like the moon phase that matches yeah, yeah. with our location. But just to get started, um, I wanted to uh, just have a moon. Um, but the color looks much better because we have all 16-bit uh, color. No blue wires, run CircuitPython beautifully, and no flickering. Coming soon. Okay, we're going to do some questions. And uh, I have some lined up. I will start with one that just came in, and then Lady Ada has the ones that we started to okay. line up. So the first one, uh, because we mentioned during the CircuitPython newsletter section that we're doing the merge of MicroPython and CircuitPython, that doesn't mean CircuitPython or MicroPython is going away. It means we're taking the code and we're merging the code in. There'll always be- It's called an upstream. Yeah. There'll always be distinct differences, just like there's distinct flavors of Linux. There's Debian, there's- But they have to like get yeah. the upstream kernel and make sure yeah. they're integrated. And, the same thing. And we work with the MicroPython team. CircuitPython has a specific use, specific needs. MicroPython has another use, another needs. And these things interact together, but they're not, neither one of them is going away when yeah. we say merge. Okay. Uh, first uh, question, 8-bit SPI TFT displays. I've come across a few ESP32 boards with built-in displays that have 8-bit data but seem to be otherwise SPI. Have you played with this at all? I have not. It sounds like 8080 or 6800, which is, you know, like the ILI 9341 can use 8-bit um, data as well as uh, SPI. I have not used any 8-bit SPI TFT displays or AMOLEDs. Um, I'll be honest, like, I think like TFTs are fairly inexpensive and I think um, the IPS ones look as good as AMOLED. Um, so I haven't played with it myself, but it's, you know, look, the more displays, the better, right? By the way, Lady is demo guy working. I know. I, you know, I forgot it actually takes, I had a two seconds. It has to delay. go on the internet. It had to go it's on the internet. So now yeah. it's working. So this is around, around the moon. We can have that in the background. It's kind of nice. It's like, yeah. Okay. We'll keep answering questions with uh, our uh our display in the background yeah okay uh i have an 18 uh volt dc power supply but need usb to power a bluetooth receiver i'd love to use your ubec it's rated for 16 volts but the chip that's built inside is rated to 23 volts would it be okay to use um 
I would check if the capacitors are rated for that voltage. I think the capacitors are rated for 16 volts, and that's why. So you could replace the caps. Okay, this one they're going to check back later because they had to balance. But I fall in love with the VS1000 chips from Adafruit, the audio FX boards. Is there anything even remotely similar for video, either analog or digital? There are dozens of Android-based video boxes, but is there anything more simple like bright sign, digital sign that isn't like $800 a player? I th yeah, it's tough because, you know, video is is a lot more complicated. You'd want to have like, you know, the codec uh, to handle all the different, um, uh, you know, MP4 and move and QuickTime, whatever. Um, we do have a Raspberry Pi based video player that does video loops and it is like fairly simple. Like you can just plug in a USB key and it'll automatically loop whatever videos on there. So that's kind of the closest thing. Um, so you can look on our learning system for the, the Raspberry Pi video looper. Uh, it was meant for like art projects. Okay. Uh, and we should go see everything else. Uh, yeah, the, that the, we, we have a default moon, but it's almost right because Friday's going to be a, uh, yeah. a actual full moon. Okay. And with that, I do have uh, one thing. And to plug gonna, in the moon. You want to plug in the moon? Plug it because it didn't get charged, this thing. Oh yeah, charge it up. Yeah. Okay. Now, um, now the moon is charged. Now the moon is charged. Okay. Um, we're gonna bounce in just one minute, but I did have one like it's not a comment or a question, but it's a, a thing that kind of came in. So we were getting kind of pulled into this um debate about 3D printing stuff. Um we like 3D printers. We like showing and sharing how to do 3D printing. We like the design side of it, we like the sharing side of it. But what's happening right now is there is this um, factions forming. 3D printing, by the way, has always been kind of like this. There's factions forming. And folks are making accusations about one 3D printing company, another one. Um, I've tried to broker some type of peace between um, like the Prusas and the Bamboos and Oshawa and like everyone who's arguing about like 3D printing. It's not really doing a service to the users um so like right now bamboo has a site there's um blocking from printables and you can't export your stuff to their site and their site was it's because they reverse engineered something and maybe they did maybe they didn't and there's just like a tendency right now for companies to try to turn you into unwilling um warriors like go online and and there's enemies there's us versus them so I would say if you're finding yourself in that situation, um, maybe find a community that's not doing that, not dividing you. Um, you know, the Adafruit world, like, come on in, like, welcome aboard. We're not going to like, tell, we're not going to encourage you to go and like terrorize people on social media about their choices of programming languages or um, uh, what site they put their files on or even the format. Like there's room for everybody, but I'm noticing this is happening a lot. It's happening again in the 3D printing world. This happened a, a while ago, and now it's kind of back. I think there's huge financial pressures on companies that make products like 3D printers, and there's really high competition. But it's starting to turn into like, well, anyone who does 3D printing, you're in this camp, on your, and this is your religion, and you can't like anything else. And if you do, you're going to get attacked. And uh, we don't really like that. Um, so check out our 3D printing show that we do every week where it's not about the printer you choose, it's about the things that you make and share. And I think that there's a big opportunity for 
a 3D printing company to kind of get to that, where it's like, take a page from us, like circuitpython.org is a place where there's other things besides Adafruit. Like basically we're a sponsor of like CircuitPython now. There's more non-Adafruit boards. And I think there's a, there's a um, 3D printing company that can be like, hey, we're just really into the the art of 3D printing and we happen to sell a 3D printer, but we're not going to like weaponize you. Um, someone in the chat just said, yeah, I started doing pottery instead. That's the right way. But it's true because it, it's this happens a I lot. There's pottery fights though. This happens a lot. Glaze with, off. Yeah, this happens a lot with um, with people in the um, electronics world and the 3D printing world where they really, they, it's like sports teams or political parties. And that's not what we want to do. Um, I think as a group of technologists and creatives in definitely in this community. So anyways, I just want to, you know, we're trying to get, people are trying to pull us into this. We already interviewed Prusa. We have it on our website. It's a very measured, um, I interviewed, I tried to get comments from Ashwa. I tried to get comments from Arduino. I tried to get comments from, you know, Sparkfun. And there was all these things that were going on. And I think that was a very, um, boring way to do this because I think folks really are addicted to drama on online. So in the 3D printing world, if you see this, like maybe encourage folks, we have a great community that does 3D printing. It doesn't matter what printer you use. Um, everything is built on something else. Sorry, it is. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it's it. <laughs> I see it's come down to slinging mud. That's funny. Um, but yeah, this is the thing. Uh, I'll give you an analogy and then we're going to bounce. So the, the ham radio world, which like you're part of and everything, this is. Well, again, just because I have an expert license doesn't what, mean I'm, a, I'm an expert at it. Well, you're part of it. And um, back in the day when we were starting Make Magazine, the ham radio community, it was turning political and it was like, Kind of older guys just kind of pushing like no one no one could come in and was gatekeepy and where is ham radio now it's not growing it's, it's shrinking and what happened wi-fi came along mqtt wireless laura you'd think like ham radio would be like the center it's ironic, it. everyone's into laura right now and like helium yeah and that could have totally the, been like a ham radio yeah radio. and so instead of like bringing people together and like hey here's a cool trick you do this you do that um this is just me you know being like you know 20 years older now um from the start of electronic communities especially online um, huge missed opportunity. They people were pushed out. There was gatekeeping. There was like, you don't have this equipment. You don't have that. You're not this political party. You're not this. Get out. Um, when you took your ham radio license, there was like jerky guys there. They were and they were and jerky. and I've and I've seen and heard this before. So everyone kind of moved on. So I'm I'm a little worried about the 3D printing world that you is, is doing the, the ham radio museum and they kept saying like oh so how many radios does your husband have and i was like he doesn't he doesn't have any radios i'm yeah like i'm saying like i'm the one with the license like i was looking at this like radio museum and they're like what yeah <laughs> funny. and uh you know someone mentioned in the chat when you know when the maker world came along that they, they it wasn't one individual it was like the vibe the, the ham radio community just made fun of us they're like look at these idiots doing like art and LEDs and like not really engineering. Yeah, not real engineering and all that stuff. And so, you know, this what happens is people just move on and they go to different different communities. And and like I'm thankful people found a home in Adafruit, but I'm noticing this fracture in the 3D printing world and also in the open source world. It's like we should be doing tricks together, coming together. And there's a huge void for leadership bringing people together. There's a lot of like separate weaponize us and them and i think 
um, social media kind of made things uh, even worse. Like you're defined by who you hate instead of the things you like. Um, I think be careful about that when you're starting to list the things like I'm only going to get along with someone because they hate the same things I do. Um, maybe go the other way and find people that like the same things you do. Just an idea. Just an idea. Anyways, um, that's as much as we're going to get involved with. Read my article about all the stuff. We we put it there. Um, it's not going to make anyone angry, so it's not going to get the clicks. <laughs> so that is our show for tonight. Thank you so much, everybody. This has been another episode of Ask an Engineer, an Adafruit production. We will see everybody next week. Here is your moment of Zener. Good night, everybody.